Coming up on this edition of the Midco Sports Network podcast, we catch up with hockey greats Matt Cullen and G.G. Marvin. I hear what the Penguins are doing, you know, on a day-to-day basis as far as how they're protecting the players and protecting everybody involved. And, man, they're doing as good a job as I think you could possibly do with this scenario. Anyone who does something for the first time, like, it's, they're never going to reap anything. It, it's about 20 years, 30 years, but, like, those guys are going to be the ones that are going to come in and, you know, really get the benefit of increased games, increased programming, increased um, revenue. Welcome to the Midco Sports Network podcast. Here's your host, Alex Heinert. All right, welcome to another edition of the Midco SN podcast. I'm Alex Heinert, taping this on a Thursday morning in the middle of July, fresh off a couple of fun conversations with two of our favorite hockey people from this part of the world. Matt Cullen, a three-time Stanley Cup champion and 21-year NHL veteran from Moorhead, Minnesota, and Gigi Marvin, a three-time Olympic medalist, including a gold medalist in 2018 with USA Hockey from War Road, Minnesota. Gigi now a big part of the push for change for women's hockey and girls' hockey in North America. Those two are a part of the Sanford sports team, and they're also going to be a part of the High V and Sanford Legends for Kids event that's coming up on August the 6th and 7th. Matt is going to be one of the key speakers, along with Carson Wentz and Dallas Scott on the banquet at 7 o'clock on that Thursday night in a couple of weeks. You can't go to the banquet in person this year, and there, are, of course, are no in-person camps like there normally would be with Sanford and Hy-Vee Legends, but instead they're doing a virtual event this time around via Facebook Live. Uh, again, Matt, Carson Wentz, Dallas Goddard all speaking on that night at 7 o'clock on August the 6th, and then the following day on Friday, August the 7th, uh, a fun Sanford uh, golf tournament that's going to be taking place at four different courses in the Sioux Falls metro area. Be sure to check that out. A great way to support uh, the Hy-Vee Sanford Legends Initiative and a chance to support scholarships for young men and women that want to continue their athletic and academic career in college. Uh, A cool thing to support, certainly. So get out there and make that happen come the beginning of August. Right now, though, a chance to catch up with these two greats from our area. Matt, who's now transitioning into a role with the Pittsburgh Penguins front office as a player development uh, liaison for the Penguins. Uh, It was fun to kind of hear his story about how life has been in year one of retirement, what it's like to be a full-time dad as well as a full-time front office guy. Uh, Plus, Gigi, a great chance to hear her story about what's been going on in the wake of gold in 2018 and all the the gains that women's hockey has made. Uh, She's a part of a boycott of the NWHL, the National Women's Hockey League, which has never really been able to fully support their athletes. And the push here is to try and make opportunity equal for boys and girls who want to play hockey growing up someday. So uh, neat stuff from from both of them. So here now, those conversations with Gigi Marvin and first with Matt Cullen. How has retirement been? You're one out of the game. What's it been like? Yeah, it's been good. I, I've, I've enjoyed it, actually. Um, it's probably been busier than I expected, but um it's been good. I've been able to kind of be involved with my kids hockey and uh, get involved in the hockey, you know, back here at home where I started out. Um, so I've enjoyed that a lot. Um, got to do a few things in the winter, some vacations that I wouldn't normally otherwise be able to do. So that was fun. Um, and then I do still work with the Penguins. Um, so I kind of flew back and forth to Pittsburgh. Um, oh, I don't know, seven or eight days out of every month to work with the team and the coaches and kind of learn the other side of the game and, and see if there was any interest in, in that side of it. So it's been good to kind of stay involved um, with the game at that, at that level, but also to be able to be around my kids. So that was kind of what, what I would hope for when I retired. Um, what do you think? I mean, after being a professional for so long, 21 years, obviously is a long time with that routine. What's been the biggest adjustment for you as you've trans- transitioned into life after hockey? Yeah. You know, 
I guess, I guess the routine that you mentioned it is kind of the biggest thing. You don't have that every day you get up and you go to the rink and you work out and you skate. Um, it took me quite a while to get kind of deprogrammed from that a little. Like I woke up feeling like every day I needed to get up and get in the gym and get moving. And I was like, well, wait a second, you don't need to do that. You know? So that was an adjustment for me just cause I would build such a structure of routine, um, around training and, um, skating. So that was an adjustment, but just having the time. Um, and I guess this is a, an easy positive one and just having more time to be around the kids. And my boys are at ages where they're, they're growing so fast and, and they'll be out of the house before I know it, you know? So I'm trying to enjoy every moment with them and get out on the golf course and go to the rink with them. And we built a backyard rink this year. So we had a lot of fun with that. And, uh, just those things that I had when I was a kid, it's, it's really fun to be able to share that with them now, um, now that I'm home. Yeah, I had read a good article that had been written about you back in February by one of the Pittsburgh papers, just talking about that adjustment to being around a little bit more. And I appreciated that you mentioned, you know, people don't necessarily understand how much you sacrifice, how much family time you sacrifice, time away from the people that you love when you are a professional. I would imagine, and you kind of touched on it there, that's got to be the best thing now about getting to go to the practices and take your sons, you know, to the rink in the back and manicure the ice, all those sorts of things. Just talking yeah. to what it's like to be a full, kind of a full-time dad now again for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's humbling. You know, these boys, they keep you humble. They're, they're all over you, but it's so fun. I, I, I'm just really happy. Um, I, I, knowing that I retired at the right time just so that I could get these years with the boys. Um, yeah, it, it's so fun. I mean, it, we have three boys, and I grew up with three boys and a sister in my family, and it, just so many things that we do just reminds me so much of my um, growing up in Moorhead as, as a kid, too. So, we, you know, we're out in the backyard rink. We're playing hockey in the driveway. We, you know, go play golf. We go to the lake, things like that. It, you know, for me, when I was playing, I just wasn't able to do it, and I'm, I'm not – it's not a sad story. It's just – it is what it is. You just don't have the time. Um, cause you're training and you're getting ready for the season. And once you're in season, you're kind of full time locked in. Um, so to be able to give your time fully to the kids and, and just commit to being a dad and just be around it. Um, uh, it's been awesome. It's, it's just great. Like I, I'm, I've just been really happy being home and, uh, you know, I'm sure the kids are probably getting sick of me now, but it's, uh, it's been really good. Yeah. <laughs> Um, on the flip side, you mentioned this player development role that you've got with the Penguins. Has that sparked maybe any desire a little further down the line to want to do something either in a front office or in a different manner in the game moving forward? Yeah, actually, I, I really enjoy it. Um, I have really enjoyed it a lot. It, um, it's been a cool experience kind of being able to be involved. And in I guess it's a way of sharing all your experience with some younger guys. Um, so I have enjoyed it. You know, it'll be interesting as it evolves here down the road what direction I sort of head, but I really enjoyed being a part of it and learning it and seeing a completely different side of the game than I've been exposed to. So I think anytime you get those opportunities to kind of challenge yourself and grow, and um, I think those are positive. So I've enjoyed it. I've learned a lot and i um, going to try to continue to do the same. Yeah, excellent. Um, the NHL right now is obviously getting ready to restart after this long four-month layoff. From your perspective, how do you think the league has handled, you know, this, this pandemic and, and kind of the plans for this 2014 playoff? And how, how do you think that this is all going to go, I guess, when this gets started later this month? You know, I think they've done a really good job. Um, and I'm watching from home here. And um, I think they've really done a nice job of handling things really well. Um, you know, I hear what the Penguins are doing, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis as far as how they're protecting the players and protecting everybody involved and man, they're doing as good a job as I think you could possibly do with this scenario. Um, 
and the fact that they're trying to start up and play, I mean, that's, that's what they do. I'm glad they're doing it. And I, and I hope that it works out. I think they're trying to be as responsible as they can and yet try to find a way to get the guys on the ice in front of the fans. And, um, you know, obviously it'll be different without the fans in the building right away, but I think just any positive steps they can take to getting the guys on the ice and bringing the game back in front of folks. Um, I think it's positive. And I just think the way they're going about it is really responsible on both sides, as far as like the players union and the league are working together probably better than they ever have in, in the past. Um, so to me, it's, it's been all positive. I just hope that things continue to progress and that they can hit the, the time frames that they need to hit in order to get started. Yeah. Um, during this time, with your conversations with some of the guys with the organization, you know, players currently with Pittsburgh, did you get the sense that guys were kind of chomping at the bit to get back out there? Or was there maybe a little hesitation just knowing there are so many unknowns because of how things are right now in the country? Yeah, I think there was, I think originally there was probably a little hesitation on guys. I think there was a lot of doubt. I think guys thought, gosh, there's no way this is going to work out. You know, I think that was a prevailing sense maybe, oh, two months ago. Guys just kind of probably thought, well, well, we'll just start next year. But I think as it's gone along, I think guys have become really optimistic. And now that they've been skating, you know, most players have been back in their, their team cities now for, I don't know, at least a few weeks. And so, now that they've been skating, I know that they're all kind of chomping at the bit. You know, they're all skating together, and it's like, all right, you know, you, you want to get back and start playing some games and having some competition. And obviously they get to hop right into the playoffs, so it's like the best time of the year. So um, I think the excitement is even higher than normal. So, yeah, I think guys at this point now feel comfortable. They see all the safety protocol. I think that most people's, you know, have been – most guys have been eased as far as, like, the tensions as far as how the safety protocols are all working. It's kind of become routine now. So I think guys are, are more excited than anything you know, from the guys that I've talked to. Yeah. Um, personal question for you. If you would have been still playing, if you're still in the league – and you have this four-and-a-half-month hiatus, how do you think you would have handled this gap between regular season and the Stanley Cup playoffs? Yeah, that's a really good question. I've thought about that quite a bit, actually. Um, you know, like being an older guy, if I was still playing, it would have been a real challenge having that much time off. Obviously, I would have tried to find some ice um, around here to skate as much as possible just because, you know, as you get older in your career, you don't want to get off the ice as long. You just want to keep your body in the rhythm of skating. And so... Um, I probably would have just kind of tried to skate as much as I could have through it. I don't know how I probably would have had to take a month off, but anyways, yeah, it would have been really interesting. And I, I've talked to a few guys and most guys sort of treated it like their off season summer training and just kind of hung the skates up for a little while and hit the gym as much as they could, mostly in their home gyms, obviously, but um, they'd hit the gym and train like they would in the off season. And then as soon as they were able to get back on the ice, they got on the ice and started working on some skills and, and doing as much as you could with only a few guys on the ice. But that would have been a, a real challenge. It would have been interesting to see how, how, how the best way to navigate that. I think we're all curious to see how guys get back in things. Tough luck for yeah. the Penguins, by the way, getting the three points out of getting one of those play-in spots. Now you got to play Montreal yeah. in the first round. Um, switching gears a little bit, you were obviously were a, a college hockey guy at St. Cloud State. How did that college experience prepare you for the, the pro level to help you have success when you made the jump to the NHL after your sophomore season? Yeah, yeah the college hockey was really good for me, obviously, just coming out of high school and um, just the experience of kind of taking that next step and playing against guys that are three, four years older than you and the stage is a lot bigger. Um, you know, playing for, you know, different coaches, exposing you to different ideas on how to play the game at a higher level. Yeah, the college experience was good for me. Um, I loved it. Obviously, some great friendships and some great experiences. Um, 
So, and then I, I, you know, I had the two years there, which were awesome. Um, and then after the two years, it was kind of the time to jump. Um, and so I went to Anaheim uh, from there, but no, college hockey was awesome. And, and really that was, that was my dream was to play college hockey, you know, like, I was just hoping I could play for the high school team as a young kid. And then once I got there, I was like, gosh, maybe I can play college hockey. Playing college hockey was so fun. I, I love the, the game. It's a great skilled game. Um, fans are super into it. St. Cloud was awesome. Our fans in St. Cloud were great. Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was an unbelievable experience. Yeah. Do you get back to the Brooks Center much? When was the last time you got a chance to take in a game? You know, actually, that's funny you say that because this season was kind of the first time I'd been back really for – for at all. We, I guess um, when we won the cup in Carolina in um, 06, Brett Hedekin was a St. Cloud State alum. So he brought the cup to um, to the rink and he was nice enough to invite me to come with. So that was, aside from that, this year was the first time I'd been back really. Um, it was fun. I got to bring my boys there and we went to a few Huskies games and uh, got to go down to the locker room and kind of meet the guys. And So it was really fun to be back there. It brought back a lot of memories and uh, it's awesome to see how far the program has come. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, Brett's doing a nice job down there. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, we cover UND. I'm the UND play-by-play -play guy for Midco Sports, and so we got a Moorhead young man that's going to be a sophomore this year, and Ethan Frisch. You know, I believe you know Ethan and know his family a little bit. Really well. Well, so Ethan's uncle and I went to St. Cloud together. We played high school hockey. Well, we played hockey growing up. Um, so Ethan's uncle was, uh, yeah, he was on my team, and he was actually my college roommate. Um, and so. Uh, and, Ethan's dad, Dan, was a couple years older than I was, but we played high school together for a year. Um, and so we're very close with their family. Um, Ethan's an awesome kid. So he and I would skate a lot in the summer here, my last few years of my career. Um, and uh, it's fun to see him come along and progress, man. He's just been a good player his whole life, but he's probably even a better person and a more quality individual. Um, it's so cool to see him just kind of developing. Actually, I got to see him play when they played in St. Cloud this year. Um, and I, St. Cloud won it, but man, I was impressed with his game. I think he's going to be a really good player for them for quite a yeah. while. He, he, I was really impressed with him um, as a young kid out there, the way he held his own and the plays that he was making. And So I'm excited for his future. I, I've been, been watching him all the way up and uh, he's quite a player. Yeah, typical Moorhead, just producing solid, solid hockey players all the way. Yeah, through. well, he was lifting more weight than I was probably 15 years ago, so I don't know. <laughs> it's scary. I mean, he's just like a strong, strong kid, so I knew that he wouldn't have any major issues, you know, making the transition just from a physical standpoint because, man, he's a strong kid. It was, I, I didn't like lifting weights with him uh, after, <laughs> I think, after he was a junior in high school. <laughs> He's a big kid, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah awesome. Yeah. Cool, Matt. Well, I think that's that's all we need, buddy. I really appreciate the time. Uh, yeah, all right, absolutely. A little bit. Yep. Take care. Good talking to you. Thanks. You as well. That was Matt Cullen. Here now, Gigi Marvin. You're kind of in the middle of summer camps, which is probably kind of unique for around the country. Probably not a lot of hockey camps are going on right now. Talk me through uh, about what the Rink Rack Hockey School is all about and how you guys are able to make things happen this summer in the midst of everything that's going on in the country. Uh, Rinkrat 19 Hockey School is a hockey camp that I run here in War Road, Minnesota. I started with my aunt 13 years ago already. And so um, we just had our first week of camp. And like you mentioned, um, not many, it seems like our, not many activities are happening. It seems like everything's being canceled because of COVID and totally understandable, but we've been kind of given the green light to go ahead and had a lot of safety measures in place, but man, it was so fun to be on the rink again and skating and the kids had a blast. I had a blast. And so we have, two more weeks of hockey camp here in Warwick, Minnesota. And so um, we're really grateful. The health and safety 
uh, went really well. Everyone left all health um, feeling good. So that's great. And so we get to welcome a new set of kids on uh, Sunday and start week two. And these are kids of all ages, right? You've broken this down kind of by age group for any given week. What has the participation numbers been like maybe this year compared to previous years? Yeah, usually um, I have at least 115 kids a week, but um, obviously with all the safety measures in place, we have a couple different, we have smaller limits. And so I short, small, shorten the groups or shorten the camp length. I reduce the, the size of groups. And so I think there's only 50 per week. So we cut everything in over half and, um, but it's fun cause it means I get to spend more time with these kids. And so it's a blessing. Um, if you look at, think about the positives, you know, obviously it's fun to have a ton of kids and skate with them and, um, have them get to really experience a lot. But, uh, a blessing of COVID is since this, there's short, small numbers, that means I get a little, lot of one-on-one time with these little kids <laughs> and get to hear what, you know, what excites them or what they're passionate about and just kind of have more instruction geared specifically to this kid, um, the 50 that roll through the rink doors. And so, um, yeah, we're, we're working with it. It's definitely an adjustment with COVID like everything is, but I'm very grateful. Yeah. I know having seen you work with kids last year at Sanford legends for kids and seeing you interact at the camps, I can tell this, this is something you are really passionate about, about bringing that love for hockey to youth and helping them learn to grow, to love the game. Is that something that's always kind of been instilled in you even growing up, like wanting to, to kind of give back and help younger kids pick up the game of hockey and get better? It is. I think it's a big part, uh, direct reflection of my family. I have a huge family. And so I always grew up with tons of cousins, like so many, it's hard to keep track of everyone. But so I love little kids. I've always had that. But then also, I mean, I don't get to where I am without the help of so many who have gone before me. Um, we have an incredible facility, probably the nicest one, definitely nicer than a lot of college D1 programs that I played against, our arena from a small town. And so that was through a ton of generation and uh, or generosity by other people, the people, my coaches, my teammates who pushed themselves to challenge me on the ice. And so there's a lot of different dynamics that other people help me so much. And it's just a, so fun to one, be with kids. Like I love that that gets to be my job. And two, just to share what other people poured into me. I got to just kind of spit that out and kind of take credit for all the good wisdom other people have given me. But um, no, I'm really grateful for what God has kind of put in my life as far as training and skating, but also being able to help other people achieve, especially young kids, achieve their goals and their dreams and realize that, you know, it's not just for me, you know, they also have a gift in how can we help them realize that you mentioned the excitement of seeing you know the kids get back on the ice for you personally though i know ice time has been tough to come by over the last couple of months how have you been able to sort of because obviously you still are are hoping to continue your playing career and maybe press on towards olympic games in a couple of years talk me through how how is this time these last four months in this the pandemic how has that affected maybe your ability to, to stay sharp on the ice So I was out in Massachusetts and we, everything was on lockdown there since March 16th. And so, I mean, I couldn't even get in a gym to train. And so we did a lot of outdoor. I talked with them earlier in the interview uh, a couple of weeks ago, a lot of outdoor workouts with picnic tables and tree branches, but I'm so grateful to be back in Minnesota um, and the rinks open and skating again. And I know that a lot of my kids actually raised, I actually did a little poll. I'm like, Hey kids, how many of you have skated? Um, not skated since March like me and actually so many of them had already gone to ice and I think Sioux Falls actually and a couple of places in Fargo. So um, I'm a little jealous. These little kids are coming in having more ice time than me, but uh, it's definitely 
an adjustment for sure. But um, I think there's always an opportunity. Of course, it takes a little bit more creativity to stay in shape and work with what you have. But um, it's fun and I enjoy it. And so if there's like a will, I'm sh there's going to be a way to get it done. So I'm grateful to be on the ice now. Let's talk just a bit about what your future plans are, because we are kind of two years removed from a gold medal in 2018. You know, you've been to three Olympics so far. There's another one coming up in, in two years. Is that still, I, I mentioned earlier that that is the goal, but that's be assuming, I guess. Is that still yeah. kind of the goal to keep playing and represent Team USA in Beijing in 2022? I'm going to keep playing, but my, the gold medal in uh, Korea was kind of my last one with uh, USA Hockey. And so I'm going to keep playing for with the professional leagues and, um, I really have a belief that, you know, women and girls can um, have a, a league. And so I'm still fighting with my teammates so that we can create something so that all these little kids and my little cousins, my little niece, you know, they can look up and they have the exact same opportunities, hopefully, when they're my age that, you know, the guys do. You know, it's so um, – I, I definitely am still playing hockey and excited about the season coming up, but um, it's, it's more so professional leagues and doing what we can with that. Yeah. From a professional standpoint, we're still kind of in the midst of this, the boycott from you know, over 200 members of the National Women's Hockey. Um, I don't want to say, I mean, the, the group that basically made up the NWHL from last year. Uh, kind of what's the state of that? How, how, where, what have you seen in terms of gains made and what is kind of the plan moving forward? There's been a lot of gain this past. So this past year, um, instead of, like you mentioned, 200 of the best players in America or North America and actually the world, because we have some Finns, some Russians, uh, a mix of people, majority obviously North American, but we chose not to play in the current league, the NWHL, because there's, there's just so much more that can be offered for a woman um, as a hockey player. And we're looking for a sustainable league, one that you can um, – be fully like have a full-time job like that's it and we're you know you can skate for more than two times a day at 9 p.m at night you know like i my little cousins on a 10u team are skating more than i am and i'm a professional hockey player like it doesn't make any sense and so we are um had a great year last year we had a ton of awareness and partnered with the nhl for a lot of different events and partnered with the echl went to had a variety of different um like we had incredible sponsors as well. And so it, it takes time and we're working with the NHL and we have incredible advisors and a lot of people there to support because uh, we're, you know, but, it, but it's challenging. And then COVID hit, right? So like, you know, it, it's uh, everyone's kind of in the same boat. And obviously with the difficulties of COVID in a re regular, like with every business, we also feel that as well. But, um, you know, we're all in it together. Everyone's feeling the pain, but hopefully we can all grow and come out of this as a stronger unit and create an actual league where, where young girls can actually can, um, dream of making a living and having a job and that's their sole job. Yeah. It feels like that is going to be the lasting legacy of this group that you've been playing with for the last, you know, 15 years or so, the Lamarus and Hillary Knight and Kendall Coyne and this, this group that has all been such a, the faces of USA hockey really since, since 2010. And it might not be the gold medal that stands out. It might be this. I'm assuming that maybe is, is the hope that this can be the legacy moving forward. That's actually hundred percent accurate. And I've shared that at different events that I've been asked to speak at and as, and you know, they'll play the highlight reel of the 2018 Olympic gold medal game. And I mean, it went to a shootout, like one of the most dramatic epic games. Right. But, and it's, and it's in like, Obviously, I understand the depth of 
value that that is. Like it's not easy at all to be one an Olympian, but then to be a gold medalist. And so I have such respect and all my teammates do, but I say like, it's nothing compared to what we did in 2017 when we had that boycott, the 23 of us and all the other um, women and girls and just changing the face of women's hockey and girls hockey in America with USA hockey and saying, Hey, like, you know, it's, it's unacceptable that a little boy is somehow deemed more worthy than a little girl, you know? And so it was just incredible to be able to get that support we had support from the NBA players, the NFL players, the NHL, the MLB, the senators, the rep- like every, um, the representatives, I mean, and like anything you can think of. And so we were so grateful for the m- massive support nationwide and just to kind of uh, create this landmark deal and uh, negotiation, I, I, I guess is a better word with, with USA hockey so that, from now on, the opportunities for girls are, you know, that we're even working toward that, you know, that wasn't even really a thing. And so um, it, it's really cool to look back and see the different things that, you know, and that's the thing, none of us are going to reap the benefits of that. Like anyone who does something for the first time, like it's, they're never going to reap anything. It, it's about 20 years, 30 years for like those guys are going to be the ones that are going to come in and you know, really get the benefit of increased games, increased programming, increased um, revenue, um, having equipment managers 24-7, increased medical and training stuff, like just little things, you know, simple little things. And so we're, I'm very proud of the other, all the women that were, be, that were a part of that. These are things that, that should happen, that should be normal, that shouldn't have to be, you know, fought for. But it's, it's awesome to see that you guys are still fighting that fight. And we hope that the momentum can continue once we sort of get through however long this takes to sort of get life back to normal here in North America. You guys can keep passing on. I, I should ask, I suppose, when you look at this summer right now and you see how, you know, pro sports are starting to kind of come back and the NBA is going to start in a couple of weeks, NHL, same thing too. I think it's great that women's soccer was the first real pro league that started in North America. How much solidarity do you feel with that group that has also been kind of fighting their fight right alongside you guys the last couple of years? USA soccer, especially the women, those guys are incredible. And we actually have the same lawyers who worked with the U S soccer team in 99, 2000, like, and they're, I mean, it's incredible what that program has been able to do in their fight for equality, but then also their demand that, Hey, you know, just because I'm a woman doesn't mean I'm less than, you know, they, they're incredible athletes. And I get to train with one of them, Sam U S and she's awesome. And I'm so proud of them and what they're doing. And we've learned a ton because they've, they're farther along in the path. Just like tennis is way is so much farther along because of Billie Jean King. I mean, she started in 1976, and then the U.S. soccer team started in 1999. Hockey started in 2017. So we're behind, but we're we're hoping that um, you know that we'll make a lot of strides and leaps and gains. But but back to your question, yes, very proud of the soccer girls. They're they're so fun to watch. I'm not a soccer fan. Like growing up, we didn't have soccer in the world. Um, but I've ever since the world cups and the Olympics, I'm like, wow. And knowing some of the girls and it's incredible and I have such respect for them and very grateful. Uh, and it's really fun to see them start and do it well. You know, they're a professional league handling all the same things we're all handling and they started and it's going well so far. Yeah. It's cool to see again that there's a roadmap. Like there, like you said, tennis, these things have happened. Hockey shouldn't be far behind. So that would be the hope. So one last thing for you, Gigi, and I'll let you go. Uh, I have a two-year-old daughter 
and she calls her grandmother, my wife's mom, Gigi. And it's really <laughs> close to Gigi. And every once in a while, Gigi spills out. And I think about you in that sense. I'm like, that's just a great name for anybody. But it's kind of fun that that's what she calls. Oh, that's so sweet. I know. I, I, I love it because um, my name is, it's either A, really easy for little kids to say. So like it's the first thing that comes out of their mouth or they love me because their grandma's Gigi and who doesn't love grandma? And so I feel like I'm, I'm just so grateful that my mom gave me the name Giselle and then it, I have a great nickname that all, it's easy to say and the little kids already, I already have an in with the little kids and so I feel like we're best friends already, which is fun. <laughs> it's nice to have that instant connection. Just for Yes. Gigi, thanks so much for the time. Best of luck again in the fight and best of luck with the hockey camps in the next couple of weeks. Thank you very much. Good stuff there from Gigi and from Matt. Once again, thanks to both of them for taking some time to be on the pod this past week. Also, thanks to Sanford Sports' Terry Vandervek for helping line things up. Another reminder, Thursday, August the 6th at 7 p.m. on Facebook Live, you can tune in to the Hy-Vee Sanford Legends for Kids virtual banquet, the live and the silent auction. Hear from Carson Wentz, Dallas Goddard, and Matt Cullen. That will be a lot of fun. And then follow the following day on August the 7th, a Legends golf event taking place at four different courses in the Sioux Falls metro area. So a lot of to still be involved with High V and Sanford Legends for Kids this year. Even if the camps have all been canceled because of the pandemic, you can still be a part of this. You can still support the Legends Scholarship, which makes a big difference for kids going on who want to continue with their academic career and their athletic career at the next level. And really, again, it's a great opportunity just to help kids in our region uh, that love sports and want to get a little more involved in different ways. So, Big thanks once again to Matt Cullen and to Gigi Marvin, to Eric Vaskard, our producer, to Terry Vanderbeck again for helping pull the strings on all this. I'm Alex Seinert. Hope you're staying well. Stay safe out there. Keep enjoying the summer, and we'll be in touch soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to this Midco SN podcast. To listen to any of our past episodes, visit midcosn.com slash podcast.